Welcome, folks. Welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, also known as Wolf, and with me today is Sal. I'm wow, back, folks. he showed up. But <laughs> did you get the Band-Aid? Did you get the... Which one did you pick up? Uh, Adventure Time. What? Nothing else. I That's thought it was between... Cap, was it Captain? No, it was Spider-Man and, and Batman. Ba- yeah, Batman. Yeah, no, no, and, I and, couldn't go with either of those. Adventure Time was calling my name. It's it was wow, just like, wow. Was I, like, I, I, I had you pegged it. for. I, I was telling Anthony, Anthony, we were taking bets. I said he's going to come back with minions. You know that was my second choice. <laughs> I do like the minions. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome, man. But no. you came back with the Adventure Time. Adventure okay. Time, All yeah. Right. You know, well, just like good. Deadpool, Adventure Time Watch. I don't have one of those. So I'm going to get one though. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> wow. Well, you know what, Anthony? Make a note of that. Christmas time. Yeah, Adventure, Adventure time. time Watch. Hey, I'll I'll be a happy camper. My wife day. doesn't like Adventure Time. She says it creeps her out. I know that's the whole point. It doesn't make any sense though because it's weird. It's, it's just yeah, weird. But, it's kind of like a Rick and Morty, but not so Rick and Morty ish. It's just yeah, its own weirdness. It is weird, but I like it. But yeah. like, how could you not? Because Dogman is creepy and weird, and, and she <laughs> likes that, but she don't. Yeah, like and it. the ghost stories and the haunted houses stuff. She likes that too. So yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they teach crazy. their own, I guess. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so so folks, what we did in the first show uh, was just me and Lon, and it was nice and peaceful oh, yeah. and good. And this time it's going to be all disruptive and messed up because. Uh, oh yeah, because I'm here. Yeah, so, here. Hey, let's go. Yeah. He's Why like, the, yeah, he's like my annoying younger brother, but he's actually older than me. That's me. Mm. Yeah. The bratty I, younger brother. There you go. <laughs> annoying orange. Or, like the annoying, YouTube character. Annoying orange. More like orange. an annoying grapefruit. No, I don't like grapefruit. Well, that's I, what like, I'm saying just, I don't either. I mean, I do because it's good for you. It's but. good. I mean, but it's not one of my favorite citruses or anything like that. Well, anyways, with that being said, you know. We're going to talk some dog, man. Yeah, today. man. Long, long. Well, let's do the emails. Oh, all right. Then Das Wolf. Um, doswolfman88 at gmail.com and wolfandsal at gmail.com send us your stories folks we want to hear them we want we, we we're wanna, getting to we them as fast as we can because we, we want to hear do get a lot of stuff we have been getting a lot of stuff yeah and great the stuff, guy folks. that we had on or we have on mm-hmm. he gets a lot of stuff yeah he gets way more so we're gonna than we get do. right into it now that with uh we're gonna talk some dog man yeah lawn hey lawn's got tons of stuff Yep. So, with that being said, let's, let's, let's get on let's to get it. get right into it. Here's the other the question that I wanted to ask, and I know that a lot of my fans on the show, the listeners, um, they know me from Dogman Encounters because that's the cryptid that I did the most research on. That's the one that I saw when I was 15, saw it once, and of course, I had a ton of people who have sent me messages ever since I was on Dogman Encounters back in 2015. It first started, I think, I think it was 15. I started getting more stories because I came on and I told my story. Then I, I went on Vic's show and I told, you know, other encounters that I had collected. But after that, I started getting inundated with reports, just sort of snowballing. And then I started, uh, you know, fielding reports and talking to people. And that's how I met. My co-host, Armando, you want to say hello? How's it going, Lon? Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> doing all right, man. Yeah. And so he, that you, we started the whole dog man thing together. Like we started talking about doing a show. Yeah, almost was, immediately. Uh, yeah. And so we started talking back in 2015 and then, and we just were like, you know, we get to do a show, but it took forever for us to finally get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, I ended up in the hospital at one point. And That's pretty much, that was the catalyst. <laughs> yeah, and I said, if I get out of this alive, then I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to get my health right, and then, I, and then we're going to do a show, we're going to get it. And so that that's kind of where it started, but I've been collecting paranormal stories since I was young. You know, I mean, I and I lived in a house that was just, had all kinds of activity and stuff, but the dog man thing is where a lot of my focus has been in, in, as far as like the research and all that. Like that was my main, that was my bread and butter what do you think of that phenomena? Oh, I think it's a real phenomena. Um, we've been in uh, myself and Butch Gukowski, yeah, Butch, who's part of my uh, my fourteen group. We have been uh, fielding reports and investigating reports in in Pennsylvania for oh, since about two thousand fourteen, and uh, I've got an interactive map that has all everything plotted on there from the past 200 years oh, of man. sightings of, of up, upright canines 
uh, and in areas 50 miles within the border, you know, around Pennsylvania as well. Uh, we have we have received since 2014 26 reports that we believe are legitimate. That's for Pennsylvania. Wow. Uh, we've had some really, uh, in fact, we had uh, we had one not long ago was that was really, really real. <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was interesting. We, you know, the one thing about th- this phenomenon, particularly here in Pennsylvania, is we have had several game commission officers privately tell us that they've had they believe this thing exists. And in fact, one had an encounter. Um, this happened, oh God, when was it? I guess about a year ago, maybe. It was an area in Center County called Rothrock State Park. And um, there were some new trails that were, that were cut through the, the state park. And at the time, one of the gentlemen who, who works for the Game Commission he, he, he and his wife and, and two other couples decided to go and, and inspect the, uh, the new trails and kind of walk around and, you know, see what was new. And uh, they had an encounter. And in fact, they had walked, apparently walked past this thing on the trail. And it, when this thing stepped out from behind them, one of the witnesses glanced at it from you know her peripheral and then everybody saw it and one of the women i mean she freaked and she started screaming and this thing actually took a couple steps towards them now this uh this guy who worked for the commission he had a he had a sidearm with him but this this thing was so big and, and so terrifying he 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 said he wasn't even going to try to take a shot at it it really scared them. And um, this thing ducked back into the weeds. They hurried and got to the parking lot. And by the time they got to the parking lot, this thing had doubled back and was standing in the parking lot when they got there. He described it as eight to nine foot in height, bipedal, had the hock legs, uh, had thin waist, heavy... Um, Heavy chest, very muscular, had the, the head of a wolf, had yellowish type eyes from what he could sense. It was during the day, but it was hard to see the eyes, but he thought he saw a yellow glint to it. Uh, and, you know, this was very similar to the sightings that we received in this state. You know, if you think about the movie Underworld and the Lichens, that's what we're getting. That's Texas, too, Lon. That's. We we just did a show. We just dropped one about hyena type hyena type men. Yeah, and cri- I've had cryptids. an encounter with that too. Mm-hmm. But I think that's different, though. I mean, from w- the one I saw, it did not look hyena like. And like I said, it was one time. I was fifteen years old. Very much a wolf. It was very much like a wolf. It had a wolf's head because I thought at at first that it was like a German shepherd sitting in a ditch, and then it quickly was like, no, it's a black wolf like you know then it stands it kind of gets up on its you know then it crosses the road on two legs well that's that was just that blew my mind and ever since then i've been like what is that what was that you know and wolf wolf like uh creatures and that's mostly what me and sal get we get a lot of reports here in texas in anyway Mm -hmm. yeah but when you start getting into into uh, louisiana you there are some some reports we've gotten of the hyena Looking tight. Type, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, West Texas. Yeah, West Texas. For yeah. whatever West Texas, we, we had the the late, the people that had the hyenas chase alongside their car. Yep. Um, just we get some weird reports down here in Texas. I mean, Texas is such a vast state, so it's hard to it's hard to put a, a finger a, a, you know, on the button and say this is what it is. But yeah. pinning down the, the bulk of the uh, encounters that we get are wolf-like Type, yes. almost like a timber wolf. Yes. The ones that we've gotten uh, out near uh, uh, Burnett. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, out in that area. In that area, Marble Falls. Very timber wolf-like, even gray looking. And mm-hmm. they stand on two legs and 
And it's very – I just filled a report from a woman not too long ago, Turkey Creek, uh, in, the, in the state park over there. It was like just straight up – it was like a timber wolf w- walked up to their camp and stood up. I mean, you know, the popping noise that they make. I mean, it's very, it's a very weird phenomena. And so you're telling me that basically, just to break it down, Pennsylvania, that's mostly what you're getting there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've gotten the two types now. You know, the ones that stand up, we're calling upright canines. Now, there's another type of being that's got a different look to it. it in a way, it kind of acts human in some respects, but it, it's a quadruped, and we've been calling those the dogmen. Now, we had an, we had a sighting of— Excuse me, Lon, before, before you go in, into the sighting, um, mm-hmm. you guys call those dogmen. Dogmen, and you said that uh, they have this, I guess, human-like qualities. Um, could you could you elaborate on that before you talk well, about they, the? They they've got a hyena slope back. They're huge. They got a uh, a wolf head, but it's got a shorter snout. It's muscular, like a human, and that's what kind of distincts and it makes it distinctive. Uh, we had a, a very strange encounter of one of these things. Well, actually, there were two of them out there. But the one, this guy was deer hunting just north of uh, Tuscarora State Forest. And uh, he was in a tree stand, and he was looking out over a field. He was right on the edge of the woods. It's a place where he had had a tree stand for years. Well, anyway, he, he had, during the day, he was looking out across the field, and he saw these two large, what he thought were just wolves or dogs, chasing these the deer, chasing deer into the other, uh, to the left of him. So he didn't know what they were. So he stayed up there. Then eventually, one of these canines started walking up toward where he was. And this thing was looking at him up in the tree stand the whole time he's walking towards him. So he gets to about 30 to 40 yards and to where he's stand, you know, in the tree stand, sits down and just sits there looking at him. And he said, you know, this thing I thought was a wolf, but it wasn't a wolf. He said it, it had these, it had the back itself looked like that of a, uh, like a hyena, a large hyena. Kind of humped, humpbacked, kind of. Well, the back kind of slopes towards the, the back end. Yeah. From the shoulders. And had had very muscular legs, front and back. Uh, the paws were large. The head was like that of a wolf with a very heavy mane. But the, the snout was a bit shorter than that of a wolf. And he said this thing had this human-like expression to it. He said it's it's hard for me to, to kind of describe, but he said this thing sat there for about a half hour looking at me. And he said, I kept thinking I got to shoot this damn thing, but he was afraid to because he didn't know what he was looking at. <laughs> the dilemma. So yeah, was, uh, uh... this thing eventually got up and, and circled around the tree where he was at then took off. He said he he stayed in that stand for two hours afterwards because he didn't know where this thing was. And he eventually did go down and, and got home. But he, you know, this now this was a, about two years ago. And uh, he told me he's never going back in the woods. I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, this isn't the only hunter that I've talked to who've encountered these things here in Pennsylvania. First of all, the uprights themselves, they stand their ground. They will not run away. Mm-mm. They're going to make guy, sure you take off, right? We had a guy who uh, was, was actually hunting with a shotgun. He was upland hunting, and he was in the um, he was in one of the state game lands. And he said he walked right up on this thing that was standing in a uh, on the other side of our laurel bush. And this thing was so big, it was, it was looking over the laurel bush. Ooh. And, you know, this guy had a shotgun with a uh, bird shot in it, so he wasn't going to take a shot at it. No, he would have just he, made he it said, mad. He said, the only thing I did was just 
hold the gun up close to me and start backing away. He said, this thing was at least nine foot in height. He said it was huge. Huge. So, you know, that's what we're getting. I mean, that's that that or that's the description of these things that we're getting. Now, you know, historically, we have gotten sightings very similar to this uh, that have been described in, in old newspapers and such. Uh, south of us in, into Maryland in Frederick County, there was a group of sightings back in the 60s. And in fact, there was six six sightings, six encounters of this upright canine. And in fact, I was lucky enough to talk to one of the witnesses because he was younger at the time and he was at his aunt's place where one of, this, one of these encounters happened. And uh, it was all in Frederick County and he actually lives up in Northeast Pennsylvania now. But he, he gave us a whole bunch of information because he had been looking into the phenomena since then. And he had gathered a lot of sightings and such in Pennsylvania after that. So, you know, this is something that, you know, we have received a lot of reports at there. There's an area that we call the Lichen Loop, which extends in central Pennsylvania from the uh, Allegheny uh, State Forest southeast into uh, York County, which is along the uh, Mason-Dixon line. And within this loop is uh, where most of the sightings have been concentrated at. So uh, it's specific counties that have had actual encounters. Um, you know, some really strange stories have come along as well. You know, there was one where one of the early sightings that we had received, guy was telling me he was um, he was up in Clearfield County, and he was telling me he was driving home from work and during the day and he was uh he saw this what look he didn't know what it was you know this thing was standing but he didn't know what it was it was looked like it was feeding on roadkill and when he got near it and to go around it this thing looked up at him and he said he said i almost had a heart attack this thing was a wolf but it was standing on two legs and it gave me the damnedest look so it was huge so he got home. Uh, he was scared too, and you know he eventually got a hold of us. But he told me a story that had happened to him because he's a hunter. But he told me a story. He said, "Um, I had been to a gas station locally about a year before that, and he said I was standing there getting gas, and this uh, Pennsylvania Com Game Commission truck pulled up. It was it was." pickup truck pulled up game commissioner got out and he had a young elk a dead young elk in the um in the back of the truck so he was looking at it and he you know he got to talking to the um got to talking to the game uh the game officer and he and he said how'd that thing die he said you know i don't know he said it's it's got a slit on its throat I don't know how it died. He said, I don't know if it ran into a, a, you know, a branch or something and got its throat cut or whatever. But he said, the the thing is, the reason we found it was it, it had, it, we had tagged it with a collar. And this collar looked like somebody took a knife and cut right through it. And you know, those things are thick. They're that, that real thick leather. So uh, he, you know, the game officer couldn't explain what it was. He said it looked like something just sliced right through this thing. Bro. That is that's yeah, yeah, that would take a lot to 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 perforate yeah, one of those collars. Yeah, like and, and then how would some a, a person how are they gonna attack it with a hunting knife and they kill, could, they in order to get all they that? Yeah. Elks are big. I mean they're the, basically they're the size of a horse. Oh, they are. Words. The only other you know, the only other big animals that we have in the state of Pennsylvania. Now, of course, they say we don't have mountain lions, but we do. But I don't think a mountain lion could have done that. And it doesn't sound bear, like their motive. No way a black bear could have done that. Yeah. It so doesn't sound like the motive. The modus uh, operandi. Or, excuse me. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the modus, uh, the modus operandi of a cat because a cat will choke out, for lack of better words, you know, they'll suffocate. latch onto the throat and suffocate, mm -hmm. latch onto sure. them until they die and then they start feeding. Yep. And like, they go to the neck and start mm -hmm. 
clamping down on it. Oh, yeah. So, uh, of course, that guy couldn't understand what he had had, you know, what he saw. And in the meantime, we have had two other game commission officers in that part of the, the state who have actually come forward to us and told us, you know, there's some freaky stuff going on around here. We don't know what it is. But, you know, you guys are talking about upright canines. We could we couldn't discount that. He said officially we're not we're you know, we don't we haven't seen anything or or noticed anything or heard anything, but off the record, yeah, there's something going on. So uh yeah, this is a phenomena that we've been getting in Pennsylvania more and more. Like I said, there have been older reports. Uh there <laughs> there was an an incident that happened up into the um up into the the uh, the coal regions of Pennsylvania, uh, above Center County, where a um, a logging camp was supposedly attacked by a group of these upright canines back in the 1850s, and uh, there was a similar re- report of something happening a little later on in the uh, Allegheny State Forest where a group of these things that attack loggers there as well. So, um, you know, you take that with a grain of salt, but that's, you know, that was the reports back then. You know, some of those reports get a little exaggerated, but still, I mean, it makes you think. Ah, yes, a little embellishment by journalists. But, (laughs) I mean, when you think of the gist of this all, uh, I mean, okay, if you're going to embellish a report back then, you're not going to make up something wildly in order to try to get people to read it. Um, you know, you, you you would embellish something that, you know, is in the mainstream, such as back then they'd embellish the stories about how savage the Native Americans were and all the stuff, but and that they weren't civilized and that was far from the truth. So I could understand if they're embellishing stories of that nature or a bear hunt or something of that nature, but... Why would they embellish uh, upright, you know, make up a story about upright walking wolves and then embellish it? But then again, I guess it would all depend on the uh, reporter who's, you know, writing the story and putting it out. Yeah. I'm just I'm just amazed, uh, Lon, with, you know, the the upright canines. And of course, I don't know if you're familiar with that video that was floating around the Internet about six months ago, maybe where uh, some guy was filming his dog or he was filming what appeared to be a large canine and then his dog went up there and started interacting with it, obviously negatively, and then that thing just stood up on all fours. It, to me, from judging from the distance and, you know, and estimating the size of the dog, and again, it's only my speculation, but I think that dog was at least, uh, you know, something to, to the effect of being 80 pounds, maybe anywhere between 60 to 80 pounds, somewhere in there. That, Cause he looked uh, quite muscular. looked like he was yeah. 200 pounds. Yeah. That he? thing, that thing that stood up, I, you know, he, the wolf, giant. the, that thing was, a, that looked like something straight out of that, that, uh, HBO series, Game of Thrones. That looked like a dire wolf dire to wolf. me, you know, and it was amazing. And of course, you know, it cut off quickly. But it was a canid, no, I mean, no doubt to me. It was not a, it was not a hog. A lot of people tried to say it was well, a hog. Well, you see pictures all the time of, of guys who've killed wolves, you know, and they're, and they're, and they're big. They're pretty big, yeah. And, you know, they're, they're not supposed to be at wolves all over Texas, but there are. There's, yeah. We, we know there are. I know that out near Rockdale. Mm-hmm. Well, you got the koi, the koi wolf koi phenomenon. Wolf, yeah. I mean, they even made a, uh, I mean, Hollywood even made a, um, they made a Netflix documentary on how, you know, they're so resilient now they're that they've crossbred them and they're breeding. very prolific. They're resilient. Yeah. You we, know, we've, we're starting to get them in Pennsylvania as well. They've been, they've been pretty common up in, in Ontario for about the past 20 years. Uh, if you go up into, into around Toronto in that area, the suburbs are just loaded with these koi wolves. Um, the you know the uh, timber wolves and the coyotes have begun interbreeding with each other, and now these koi wolf packs are, I mean, really taking over the the wild areas around Ontario. You know Ontario, and uh, they was they have actually started to be seen in New York State and Pennsylvania as well. I find it amazing that um, now you have. You know, the replacement for the Eastern Red Wolf being the Koi Wolf. I find it amazing that they're resilient 
to the level that they are. But again, it's not surprising when you think about coyotes and how resilient they are and how much, well, you know, how much been, of a survivor they are. They've been moving east now for the past 30 years. Yeah. Uh, we had, we have coyotes in this area. You know, I don't know. I don't even really think we had coyotes in this area, you know, before. Mm-hmm. I know we had wolves, but we didn't have coyotes. And now, actually, the coyotes are getting pushed out of the western part of the country, and they're they're in every every state in the uh, in the lower forty eight now, as far as we know. That's our we're of the same understanding because yeah. well, in Texas, we grew up with coyotes all over the place around right. here. Yeah, so no, we didn't have them. And no, wolves, that was not something I've we saw. Seen a red there. wolf. Well, I, I saw I one back you. in 2007 by Lake Travis. I was working out there, and I, I know what it was. She came right out of the woods, and she just stood right in the middle of the road. It was not a coyote. I, I promise you it was not a coyote. And it just it was just, it was just there. It's, she was there for a couple minutes, kind of sniffed around the property that I was on, and then it just walked back out. And then I talked to a guy that was a bodyguard of one of the – there's people that are very wealthy and some of them were famous, but he's a bodyguard, a guy I've known for years. And he told me his name's Mike. And he said, yeah, there's, there's red wolves out here. There's a small little group of them. And I was shocked. I could not believe it. You know, I don't know if I mentioned to you wolf. And of course, uh, this has been, I guess we could say it's probably, it's probably been about six to eight months ago, maybe. Um, but when I was making my way towards the house and I live out in the Cedar Park area and it's, it's a, at one time Cedar Park was not a full blown suburb of uh, Austin. <laughs> it now was it nothing. Is. It was nothing. It was just a little town out there. All they did was chop cedar. Yeah, that's it. Well, on this particular evening, I was making my way home to, uh, to the house and up near the, uh, I was at the intersection of Anderson Mill and 620. I was running around that area, and as I kept going, I was traveling on uh, Anderson Mill. I looked I immediately past an intersection. I looked off to my left, and this was late at night. I, if I remember correctly, it was around midnight, maybe one o'clock in the morning. But I looked off to my left, and I saw what I could best describe um, as possibly a koi wolf because it was too big. Too bulky to be a coyote. Even your 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 healthiest of coyotes are not real thick, and this one looked very thick in bulky. comparison. Yeah, compared to a uh, compared to a coyote, and it was obvious. I mean, at a glance, it was easily the size height wise of my you know ninety pound boxer mix. Well, that well that's the what the red wolf is. Is yeah. actually it's it's way back though. It's like the mm-hmm. Mexican coyote that yes. bred with the wolves. With Mexican wolves, and mm-hmm. then they, and then they, and they, their range has is it's as far up here as north as. But up it was here. it was amazing watching that thing just run. It ran. I saw it um, run behind a building, and luckily they had a security light in the back of that building because I saw it in all its full glory. I couldn't tell you the exact coloring of it, but I knew it wasn't a coyote. I have I had a friend of mine. His, I just got this report like the other day, Alon, and you can tell me what you think of this. This guy, his ex girlfriend. I guess it's weird. They're still friends, which is that that in and of itself is rare. But anyway, his her current boyfriend saw something back in 1998, back near Brody Lane here in Austin. Now back then they were, it wasn't all grown up like it is now. There were pastures and everything else, and he was driving near Slaughter Lane here in Austin, and he was coming back uh, from. He worked downtown, and he was coming back from the bar. He was a bartender. He told me he was completely sober, but you know, like I said, this is a guy I met through my friend's ex girlfriend. But he told us point blank that he saw it, what the biggest wolf he'd ever seen, and he said it was on all fours, but it looked so abnormal, like it's, it looked so strange that its shoulders were way too wide, and that the legs kind of sloped downward. And when he was describing it, he said he saw it right there, like in a pasture. He thought it was a cow. And he said that the guy that he was with was one of the bouncers at the club that that he they worked at. And he's like, "What is that?" And they both kind of slowed down, and they said this thing was like st- standing there on all fours on the other side of the barbed wire. And he said that as they drove past it, now he didn't see it, but the passenger who I didn't actually talk to, 
claims that it kind of stood up and on, on, on two legs kind of halfway and went back down. Mm-hmm. And he said it looked, but it looked very timber wolfish, but it looked like it was maybe four times the size of, of what you would think of as a wolf. When I asked him to estimate how much he weighed, he said probably three, 400 pounds. And I was like, holy, I mean, I don't know what that was or what it was that he claimed he saw. And he said that they slowed down, you know, and he said it was right when they go past William Cannon in between William Cannon and, and, and uh, Slaughter Lane. That area, you know, that area was has only been grown up for the last 20 years. Now, I know that when I lived on the, in that area, when I'd go west, going towards Circle C Ranch, there was nothing. It was just like, it became like very wooded. And I and I have fielded two or three, well, no, let's see, three or four now, four, I haven't talked to the fourth guy yet, but that have told me that they had something weird happen to them in that area involving canine type creatures so i don't know what that was that's a recent report i just got that about a week uh, about a week and a half ago but i mean what is that i mean it, it was just this super supernaturally large wolf do you is that what you're talking about like when you say dog man i haven't gotten one quite that big but i mean anything's got some size to them now uh you know a lot of people classify dog man as a lot of different things you know i I have stuck with the upright canine description for the, the bipedals. Uh, you know, Linda Godfrey's been looking into this, uh, the uh, the Beast of Bray Road phenomena for, for many years now. And, of course, there's definitely something going on out there because there have been several people have seen a lot, of, a lot of similar beings out there. But she calls them uprights. And, you know, that's the same. It's the same thing I'm calling them, too. Uh, but these beings that have that, like I said, the guy that was in the tree stand, that have that kind of, uh, eh, it's a quadruped, but it's got that real, you know, uh, real muscular look to it in the shorter beak, the, the shorter uh, shorter snout. I, that's what I'm calling dogman. Because, uh, you know, the, the, one of the early dogman sightings, in Pennsylvania, they used to call this thing the dog man or the dog boy that was uh, along the um, the Ohio line in Pennsylvania. I think I forget what county that is, maybe Crawford. But, uh, you know, it was a well-known sighting. And this thing was a quadruped as well, but it looked like a boy. Looked like a boy? Yeah. So that's, um, that's really interesting. Yeah. So you know that that was I think where a lot of this dogman description or moniker came from, and uh, you know I'm I'm just calling the the the, the uh, bipeds uh, upright canines. I think uh, I think you're on to something as far as the proper descriptive words to delineate between uh, the ones that are primarily on four legs and then the ones that have the ability to get up on two legs. And, and well, Wolf and I have been of the, uh, we've been of in agreement with this particular saying that um, Sasquatch prefer to be on two legs, but are definitely able to be on four legs when net, when needed and so on and so forth and vice versa for the, for the, uh, you know, the canids, the, the, the upright, you know the upright canids, uh, humanoids, and or the or the dogmen who are primarily, you know, on four. We've always agreed on that because I think it makes more sense just it, when you go off of what they look like. Do we truly know what they? You know, do we truly know what the deal is? I I don't think we can say, but that's just our. Uh, and we don't really agree. We don't really like the term dogman dog because they don't, the I ones don't here either. don't look yeah. like dogs at all. Nobody, nobody has come to us and, and said, it looks like a Doberman Pincher or looks, yeah, looks but people, like a, people say that. that yeah. I've heard stories about it, but not yes. for me and you, Sal. It's right. been complete, just straight up right. canine or hyena like, which yeah. was a different mm-hmm. category, which we did a show about. Yeah, we did that. It, but it's, it's definitely most, most of the reports that we've uh, read. Uh, watched, uh, or excuse me, watched videos or and or listened to video uh, interviews on YouTube and the reports people have given us is seems like ninety five percent of the time the the uh, you know the dogmen the culprit, for like words, the, the culprit very wolf like it's it's it doesn't it doesn't stray from that and then of course you've got the uh, 
the delineation between the hawked legs versus the human style legs. Well, no. Yeah, there are both of those out there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, and that just what, what are you up. getting that? Uh, well, in, in Pennsylvania, it's mostly the hawked legs. But, uh, you know, I had taken some reports up in southern Ontario uh, in the Niagara area uh, sometime before we started getting all this in Pennsylvania. And those sightings up there were always the human leg, uh, the upright canine with the human-like leg, not the hawk legs, but the human-like leg, very muscular human legs. Whoa. Like, yeah, and, like little uh, tree trunks, right? We don't get that down yeah. here. No, no, like we've most. I, I, no, yeah, we've. What we get down here is is very Straight much up canine leg. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, that's what we hear: yeah. canine legs. And uh, yeah, we've gotten. Bo- I've gotten both now. As far as Pennsylvania, I'm. You know, some of these sightings could have could have been the the, the human like leg. Uh, you know, if they were hidden enough to where they couldn't really make out what they were, then not, you know, but um, I, I think the hawk leg is mostly what we've been getting in Pennsylvania. But, you know, those sightings, like I said, that I had gotten in southern Ontario, and quite frankly, I I had gotten some very good reports up there, uh, mostly in the winter. And, um, yeah, and the, you know, these things were in, in snow and very delineated so you could see the actual body itself yeah and uh you know from the background and uh yeah these were uh human-like legs that's that's really i've always found that really intriguing because you have others out there in the uh cryptid community or paranormal community who uh, um they call those the gugwe and of course you know on this show, we, we do shameless plugs or shameful plugs to anybody and everybody because we're here to, you know, we're trying to figure this out as best as we can with all the knowledge that we acquire. Um, well, you do. I don't. Oh, okay. I, 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 don't, I don't promote anyone. <laughs> right. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. If we promote no one, we promote everyone at the same time. That's just how we do it here. But uh, that brings me to my question is that uh, there's a gentleman out there in Montana does a show called World Bigfoot Radio. The guy's name is Duke Sullivan, and he claimed to have had an encounter with a gugwe. And many people have described a gugwe as very, um, as far as its features, very um, canid, canid, canid type, but the human style straight legs very bulky mm-hmm. very you know big like that and it's so. crazy because there's some researchers that we've talked to who they're not open to the idea that they have canid legs they're just like that that that's not it's that, not possible that make, doesn't make something. sense evolutionarily so we're not gonna right i'm not gonna get into who they are but we've yeah we've asked and they're just like no 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 that's not the case and and then there's others that are and, and then there's this whole div- division uh, amongst the researchers yeah we Rab- believe in the, rabidly that they, yeah. that they that they cannot be anything other than a flesh and blood creature that evolved here on Earth somehow. Nah, I, you know I don't go with the flesh and blood indigenous theory at all when it comes to the upright canines. I believe that these are really supernatural beings. Um, you know they may they may seem to be flesh and blood for the most part, and uh, but I, I I think overall I think I think this is a supernatural being, and in fact we've had some sightings where uh, these things kind of glowed in in a way, kind of had that glowing look to it. Um, the glow was it green? No, it was like a silver glow. Wow, oh, like because, a shimmering. Because like we shimmer. had we had a report of it being kind of a greenish mist around one. Yeah. Well, yeah, see, and, and that's and, an angle there. I'm sorry, Lon. Um, that's I don't an know. angle. I, you know. I, Personally, I think most cryptids, and I'm talking about Bigfoot and upright canines, and most possibly these winged humanoids, yeah, are are all uh, are all supernatural beings. They're interdimensional beings. Seriously, I, I really do believe that, and I think there's a connection to a lot of other phenomena as well yeah. when it comes to cryptids. You know, I. As far as the the whole supernatural aspect, and I and I guess to clarify supernatural, you know, from my point of view, the way I see it is when people say they're supernatural, you know, that to me includes uh, interdimensional and all these other right. things that we're starting as a race of beings that, that we're starting to be able to explain through science a little bit more, such as, you know, portals and, and uh 
I guess the best example or best case scenario I'm talking about is, um, or example is CERN. All those, all the experimentation they've been doing with that big super collider gizmo they have out there, and many out there believe that it's really thinning the veil between our reality and, and, and this other dimension or other dimensions, how many we don't know. So for them to slip through the veil when it's been weakened or, or maybe, you know, a big tear opens up, I, I don't find that to be very outlandish. I don't find it to be far-fetched because if oh, we're already either. doing that, it's just, and then, you know, coupled for me, coupled with the, I, I always talk about I've read the works of Sitchin and his and his theory on how human beings came to be on the planet. You know, I, I don't agree 100 percent with every little thing he said. But the one aspect that was covered in the Enuma Elish, the Epic of Creation, written by the, you know, the Sumerian, crypt, crypt, excuse me, the Sumerian civilization. And their uh, creation tale is that, you know, when choosing a viable worker to do all the work that you know, their people were tired of doing, right? They went through a testing phase trying to figure out what the best, you know, possible candidate they were going to, you know, focus on. And that they went through all the other prototypes, you know what I'm saying? They went through this, this, and they mixed um, genetics slash, they did all the genetic modification that we hear a lot about t today. And so, you know, and then finally, of course, settling on human beings, us per se, but the part that I like to really you know, that really gets me is the part that they had trials, you know, they, they were trial and error with all these other creatures. And this is where Wolf and I, you know, he, he brought it up for me and it made me think more when he said, well, if they did all this um, testing, Gen genetic, genetic testing. testing on these other creatures, mixing them before they settled on human beings, he goes, I'm sure they didn't just throw them out. They maybe used them as guards, like guard dogs. But now you had, you know, a, a creature that was way more intelligent than your average canid and, you know, coupled with, with, with um, human DNA, for lack of better words. So to me, did they, were they all destroyed in the flood? I, to me, I don't, I don't think so. And uh, just because of all the stuff I've read, but I think that these are all remnants and not to mention that the uh, saying that's out there also in the paranormal world that if you see something on, on television or, or in a movie that's this fantastic science stuff that, uh, the mainstream says we don't have yet, but it's just a in, a in a movie. We do have it in the movie, but it's not realistic. Nine times out of ten, we've already done that in these secret underground bases. And you know, you mentioned Dulce um, earlier on. You mentioned it before, and you know, there's also that purported base that's supposedly out there in Dulce, New Mexico. It's an underground base, and so you know, there's so many things out there. I just it, it doesn't. Um, I think it's a mixture of both that, you know, we've had our government, you know, probably that have known about these creatures. Well, it's like technology. Uh-huh. And they whatever we're them. getting now, they probably already have for had 20 years, for 20 years. Yeah. In these secret, super secret, dark uh, projects and, 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 you know, behind the scenes, deep state stuff. So it's to me, I'm not going to completely say it's a ghost, but I will say, yes, it is a big possibility. I'll leave it on the table. Is it flesh and blood? Yes, it is because of the interdimensional. Because it can interact with, yeah. with, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a supernatural being. Correct. Right? Correct. And, and supernatural just being it, you know, brain, uh, it's brain or it's mind, it's, it's mental abilities are so far beyond, beyond ours. Whereas when you think about human beings, um, all the stuff in the processed food and stuff we eat these days that, you know, it dumps us down. I, you remember those old commercials about fluoridation in the water, uh, lawn and how it was bad for yeah. us. So, so can you imagine what's in the food now? And then, so they don't talk about the fluoridation, fluoridation in the water and how it dumbs you down and it, it kills the pineal gland and, 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 and basically messes up or, or for lack of a better word, hazes up the third eye that we have, you know, to be able to help us to discern, have that sixth sense, if you will. Well, you know, I think as, as we continue on, and that quantum computing becomes part of what we do. And I, I think we're going, I think that that level of uh, using computers is going to become part of the mainstream in not too many years. I think there's going to be a lot of things discovered by just regular people. 
Oh no, I'm 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 with you on that. I totally agree. Yeah, I, you know, there's there's a lot of you know, you talk about the thinning of the veil. Uh, you know, this was something that we looked into um, during the uh, during the the flap out in in Chicago with the CERN uh, like collider that's out there in Cook County. Uh, that's something else we looked into, and, and it's part of possibly of being a reason why these things, something was opening up and these things were coming through. Now, of course, that collider was said to be closed down seven or eight years ago. I, I don't <laughs> quite believe that's true because uh, I had people keeping an eye on that facility, and there seemed to be a lot going on there for a collider that's been that's been shut down over the years. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't particularly buy that. Uh, you All know, I can say to that shit. one is uh, – a likely story, yeah. Because well, you know, and, and it's the oldest collider in the in the world. I mean, the thing's been out there for about forty four years. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Funny that it's called CERN too. And well, it's not called CERN. I mean, it, it you know it's it's similar to the CERN. You know, of course, the CERN could have been an earlier prototype. Huge, but this was at what the last. I'm trying to think what the last. Um, Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but anyway, uh, it, it, it's a uh, it's collider. Well, I tell and, you what, uh, uh, Lon, let me let me give you a tidbit of information. I don't know you probably already know it, so um, just like you enlightened me about the age of this particular collider out there, uh, did you know that we have our own Tesla coil out here in the middle of a field near Italy, Texas? Uh, I didn't big, know that. Yeah, it's a big Tesla coil. You can look it up. It's really interesting. You know, and a lot of, uh, if you're familiar with a lot of Tesla's um, work, I mean, the man was leaps and bounds ahead of, you know, any and all, all the inventors slash scientists of his time. I mean, it's, it's reported or it's purported that Albert Einstein was asked one time, hey, you know, how does it feel to, by a reporter, of course, how does it feel to be the smartest man in the world? And Einstein retorted with, I wouldn't know, you'd have to ask Nikola Tesla about that one. What I was saying, though, about the CERN thing <clears throat> is that the, the CERN collider in Switzerland, I believe. Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah, th that mm -hmm. it's, it's funny that they call it CERN because to in order to get the truth, you know, you have it's to, to discern it, to discern it. Mm -hmm. yeah, and they name this thing CERN, which is almost like saying. Laughing at people. I, I don't know. Almost like, I don't it's know. Mocking. Would you call it tongue in cheek? I don't know how you would say it, but it's almost like they're saying, you know, they're covering the truth. I mean, to me, it's almost like a, a, a slap in the face to everybody saying that, yeah, we're, we're doing this and it's, the truth is hidden because to discern is to uncover the truth, right? Yes. You're discerning it, you know. It's just, it's really weird. And then CERN, of course, is, it was a Celtic god, you know, of, of he was the bad guy. You know, and it was off of the Saturn, Saturn, the same thing, Saturna, who was the bad guy in, in the Latin tradition. Yeah, the the Roman, Greek and Roman. It's interesting, uh, a lot of these things, that, you know, when you think about what we're doing scientifically at these levels, at these deep state levels, the whole idea of um, these cryptid beings being spotted, uh, to me, it doesn't seem outlandish at all. It, it's not surprising. Kind of like when you hear about uh, you have invasive species in America that, you know, belong halfway across the world and somehow they're now in rivers in the U.S., you know, in the continental U.S. Uh, I believe one of those is the an example is the snakefish. And that thing is just can terrorize an ecosystem here in, in, in the Americas because it has no natural predators. So it just. Pythons yeah, down, down in, in the Everglades. Yeah. The, the, the Australian redback being in now in Japan, mm -hmm. and they're starting to have a problem with them yeah, because so. somehow it, when it shipped, uh, they shipped something, you know, and it, and it Well, was I mean, it could also be people, people um, buying them as pets and then, ah, I got a breeding pair. I turn them loose and there you go. I mean, it's hard to tell. It's very hard to tell. You know what people do, but you know the the cryptid creatures to me. That's just well. We have a parrot colony here in uh, Austin. Yes, I, parrots. Yeah, mm -hmm. green parrots. I like. There's the there's like a whole tree full of grackles, and then there's like these six green parrots. And my wife was like, "What is that?" And I said, "Well, there's a pet store 
about 15 years ago that turned them loose. Just let them go. And now they're breeding out there in the wild. And so there's these parrots. And mm -hmm. they're pretty tough. Like, the grackles are pretty mean, but those parrots don't take no mess from them. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like the parrots in New York City. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> in Brooklyn in particular, there people see parrots there occasionally. I mean, there were a whole bunch that got loose at the airport many years ago, and now... You know, you go to Brooklyn and sometimes in the city itself and see these parrots. <laughs> That's amazing. That's crazy. And so. Yeah. Oh, that lab, that lab near Chicago is in Batavia, Illinois. It's Fermilab. Yeah. Wow. And, oh, okay. Uh, okay. The particle accelerator was begun in 1967. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they had shut it down in 2011 because they had a, an accident. Now. They don't go into a whole lot of details, but the accident makes you wonder but what that accident was. Deatomized huh? somebody. <laughs> they still have about seventeen hundred people working there. So, um, mm -hmm. Lon, let yeah, me ask you. It's interesting. Let me ask you another question. Speaking of New York, there, there. I don't listen to a lot of shows, a lot of podcasts, or whatever. But there was I do. there. Well, <laughs> that's I am. I, I don't have a lot of time. I work a lot, and I, and I work, you know, and so, and even when I'm at work and there's a little downtime, I got to be careful because I work in kind of a bad area. But mm -hmm. uh, so, so Sal, he is retired military, so he listens to a lot of shows. He's just he's like a podcast person. I'm looking for reports and people's encounters and mm -hmm. all that stuff. That's yeah. mainly what I listen to on YouTube. Yeah, just to hear all their stories. And so there was a show, there is a show, it's called Expanded Perspectives. Now, yes. those guys do a really good job. I like those guys. And they're out of Fort Worth. They advertise on my website. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they do a show out of Fort Worth. And <clears throat> what they were telling me, or they didn't tell me, but they're listening to the show, that, that there was a, a report of a canine type, up, upright canine creature in New York that was killed. And mm -hmm. now, what do you know about that? Yeah, I think I kind of rediscovered that story. Um, I don't have the details right now, but I think it was something those two guys picked up that I had posted. But apparently, this upright canine got loose in New York City, and I don't even know the time period, but it was in the late eighteen hundreds, I think. But uh, I had to dig it out. I'm, you know, I don't have offhand. I don't have it. But it was it was part of an actual newspaper story that was uh, that had occurred back then. But yeah, that's true. What they're saying is true. That's crazy. Like that story, just like really yeah, it actually chased some people as well. That's, yeah, that's cra that's crazy. But at the same time, you know, I would think that an upright canid, you know, canid creature, an upright canid like that. I think it it has the smarts to adapt to, you know, a, a concrete jungle, for lack of better words. I, I don't think it is, you know, it, it that. Imagine the 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 survivability and the and the craftiness and and hardiness of a coyote times a thousand, and there you have that upright canid, and then not to mention the mental cap capacities of these creatures, because I'm of the opinion that they have, you know near human intelligence, level intelligence, like just like us. And, you know, with that, that would mean many of things. I've, you know, and I feel the same way about the, the Sasquatch. And just because of stories I've heard, and I listened to a, a podcast earlier today, and another shameless plug, this goes out to the Cryptid Brothers of Oklahoma. They received a story from a gentleman up from the Northeast. That's about all they gave. But that this gentleman... Um, was a truck driver and he had broke, he had some mechanical problems, stopped on the side of the road, started fixing them. That while he was fixing them, he noticed a big black figure in the woods, um, you know, just, just out of sight where he couldn't make out exactly what it was. So the most he could see was fur, thought it was a black bear. So he said, well, I better hurry because I'm out in a rural area. I could get attacked. I need to get out of here. So he did all that. So once he fixed all that stuff, the, the little minor mechanical problems he had, he jumped in his truck and he took off. Well, unfortunately, unfortunate for him, he had to go uphill. So that means he slow start carrying a heavy load in his 18 wheeler. So once he got up to about 25, 30 miles an hour, you know, he starts driving. Then he looks off to his passenger side window and 
there he sees this upright walking canid, you know, basically stooping down to look through his passenger window, which was open and he couldn't get it up for some reason. And this went on and he was driving and watching it, driving and watching at the same time. And of course, this gentleman pulls out, um, he had a pistol in the vehicle for personal protection and he shot this thing. And of course he got, you know, he got lucky and got a headshot and he said he saw it in the rearview mirror just go completely, you know, stiff as a board, plank, you know, plank-like and just fall to the ground. So with that being said, I thought, listening to the story, I said, hey, he got a he got a headshot on these th- creatures that know what guns are. And of course, once that happens, he said that he drove up the road a little bit more, turned back around and he made it back to, to the near the spot where he was broke down or right there. And by the time he got there, two people had stopped, a man and a woman, and they were looking in the area where he had, you know, watched this particular creature fall and slide off into the side of the, uh, you know, into, off into the ditch. And he spoke with them, played it off, asked them if they were okay. They told him, yeah. And then they came back to him and said, Something to the effect that um, we saw a bear dragging another bear into the woods and they, and, you know, and he asked him, you know, a bear and pretty much he goes, well, you guys all right and the whole nine yards. And he's over here processing this thing because he know that he knows that he had just shot this thing and dropped it with, with a, um, uh, I believe then he said it was a Taurus judge or, a, or Taurus, the governor, one of those, you know those big ones like that, you know, and so, and he had personal defense rounds in it and got it point blank range. And I'm thinking, well, if you dropped it with one and he saw it just go stiff as a board, go down, no, no kicking, no flailing, no nothing. That means he got a, you know, he got a kill shot right off the bat. And, but the interesting part of the story to me was, is that these people reported seeing, you know, they called it a bear. He thinks the guy thought, um, he told, Lance Hightower, he's the main guy that's on the show, you know, of, of his brothers. But the guy told Lance um, that um, he thinks that these people saw a lot more than what they were letting on. They just said bear because they didn't know what else to say, or they would they didn't want to be labeled crazy. Long story short, key element: one dragging the other off in the woods. And I'm a firm believer that that's why Bigfoots or Sasquatch will never find a body unless you kill every last one that's out there and they don't travel alone unless they're a rogue male that's been thrown out. And, you you know, common sense dictates that if, if you know, you're a rogue male, I, I don't think that they are dumb enough to just or, or reckless enough to get out there and make themselves known, put themselves in a position where they could potentially be killed and they'll just you know, drop right there, and then their their bodies will be found. Um, and same with the same with the upright canids, because I think they're that much that smart. And the other story that I remember is one Mike Woolley told years ago, and I listened to him on a podcast, and he talked about before he passed away. Rest in peace, Mike Woolley. Um, he went out to a place near Monroe. Friend called him out. They said they were having problems with Sasquatch. They, him, and another guy that he knew, showed up out there, and they saw the Sasquatches coming up after they were out there. And the one thing they noticed about when this whole family group showed up, they saw one that looked like, according to what he said, was looked like he'd been stricken with polio in the legs, and two others were carrying it over there into the area where the rest of the family group was. And of course, once the interaction happened and they left again, he said that he saw the two other uh, Sasquatch pick up that disabled one and take him back off into the woods. What do you think about that, Lon? Oh, I think it's possible. Yeah, I think it's entirely possible. I, I think they share that. Do you think they bury their dead? If they don't, they must. Yeah, they probably do. Yeah. I you know I, there have been people who have said that before and I, I think it's a, I think it's possible. Um, now Marion or Mitchell maybe they take their dead back with them. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm of the opinion that they do. That's yeah, my position absolutely. on it. So Lon, you you, you man, you've studied so I many different. Dug up that New York story. Oh, oh yeah, wow. yeah. You want to hear it? Heck yeah. yeah, heck yeah. Um, this it was sent to me by one of my readers. 
in New Jersey. This was in January of 16. He said, I'd like to pass along a true story told to me by my grandfather when I was a young man. The story involves my great-grandfather, whose name was James McNamara. He was a patrolman in the New York City Police Department. The incident occurred in October 1911 during the late evening hours. James was assigned to the theater district in the area of Broadway and 42nd Street. Another patrolman by the name of Dobbins was two blocks south on Broadway near 40th Street. Theater goers were walking about and enjoying the Great White Way when suddenly there were screams emanating from an alleyway just below James' position. Both patrolmen ran toward the ruckus, forcing their way through hundreds of fleeing pedestrians. As they reached the alleyway, a tall, hairy beast ran out onto Broadway and towards 40th Street. Neither patrolman could believe what they saw. An eight-foot-tall wolf with human-like arms and legs running with skill and speed down the middle of Broadway. Soon the beast was facing a New York City Packard squad car, so it changed direction, moving back towards McNamara and Dobbins. The beast was, was growling as it was moving forward. The patrolman took positions by a newsstand, hiding and waiting for the horrible creature to move before them. Soon the beast was at the entrance of another alleyway near 42nd Street. Both patrolmen pulled the revolvers and took deadly aim. The beast quickly dropped to the gutter. Immediately, McNamara and Dobbins surrounded the body as other officers joined them. None of the public was allowed to come within 100 feet of the unknown canine. The body was quickly removed and taken to the mortuary. Both patrolmen were placed on other assignments. The, Scott, the squad was told by their superiors that this was simply mistaken identity on that uh, and that a deceased man was in a costume. Of course, that was not true. The press was later told that a large mad dog caused the disruption that none of the public were injured. A few months later, a brief article was published in a Louisiana newspaper, the St. Mary Banner in Franklin, Louisiana, and picked up on a few other media outlets. And I've got the, you know, I've got the uh, uh, newspaper article right here as well. So, uh, you know, after I received the email, I contacted the, the guy who sent it to me, and, and we discussed it. I think he's telling the truth, and uh, I actually did a bit of research and found it in, in another newspaper in March of, uh, 1912, uh, though the article seemed to be an edited version of the original text. So, yeah, that was the only dog, the dog man or upright canine I ever heard in Gotham. So, yeah, Gotham. <laughs> you know, and, and that's I had I had heard that story was like an Arizona, the Arizona newspaper had said mm. something about it or something. All right, folks, so that's all the time we have for today with Lon. But we're going to be back next week. Yeah, there's still so much to cover, and yep. Lon is just... As they say, meat on the bone. Wow, yeah. No, when you talk about meat on the bone and all the information that Lon has, all, all that knowledge up in his head, it's just... It, yeah, he's yeah. been doing it for so long. Yeah, it doesn't fit into one or two hours. There's no way. No, no, I, I, I'm of the opinion that we could have him on for five, six, seven straight hours, and mm -hmm. he'd never run out. Be like our DDoS. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. So with that said, thanks, folks. Thanks for being with us. Remember, doswolfman88 at gmail.com or wolfandsal at gmail.com. Send us your stories. We want to hear them. We want to, you know, put them on the air. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe and then comment. Give, you know, let us know your thoughts. And uh, Why don't you subscribe? It don't cost you nothing. <laughs> It's just a click of a button. It's just a click of the button. You don't do it. <laughs> exactly. So, it made me sad. Thank you so much, folks. Thank you for being with us. Y'all have a good one.